And I am joined by William Ramsey, who is an attorney, author, and researcher. He's got a lengthy uh, bio. He's written a number of books and produced a number of documentaries on deep politics. I'll just summarize it that way on the, the occult and the, that sort of thing. You can find all of that stuff at his website, WilliamRamseyInvestigates.com. Welcome to TNT Radio, William. Thanks for having me. Great to be with you. Yeah, I recently discovered uh, your, your work, which uh, I found uh, interesting. You can cons- uh, you consider your books, films, and broadcast uh, as a ministry with the intent to expose evil uh, in conformance with what uh, Paul Saint Paul wrote in Ephesians five eleven, and to have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but to expose them. Uh, and maybe if you could tell us uh, a bit about your main mission uh, and and lines of research and what you've been trying uh you know to look at and and get across well i mean <clears throat> it's been a long time i was usually kind of screaming at the corporate media for not reporting certain angles to stories so that led me to kind of like step out and start writing my books and making my videos i had a lot of videos that were taken down by the evil corporation known as google which is a whole nother story but I really was putting out a bunch of different material, kind of pointing out uh, cold influences in modern culture. My first book was Prophet of Evil. That was about Crow, Aleister Crowley, his ideas, his ideology, and how that played into the events of 9-11. And so that was kind of the beginning. So I've always kind of been exposing the occult. Uh, I, call, I think of myself as a Bible-believing Christian. And so I, I really look at things from that perspective. My books are... They're not obscurantist books. They're very simple to read. They're meant for like people to just read through, but understand that there's a lot more to certain stories than they're uh, spoken of on TV, much like the West Memphis Three, which I believe was an occult crime. I think it's proven to be an occult crime with ties in with Aleister Crowley. And there's been like a small kind of industry just talking about the West Memphis Three on podcasts and videos and documentaries. So I think my book kind of takes a different position they were actually, actually, incidentally, the West Memphis Three were let out of jail 11 years ago to the day today. Uh, so that's kind of one story. And then I wrote about Crowley's influence about on culture and people and Children of the Beast. And then my most recent was kind of the occult far farthest right, global far right and global death cult, which seems to kind of strangely impression in regards to what's going on with this whole shot situation, uh, kind of a corollary to it. But I think it's the same concept of culling, getting rid of the unfit. But uh, so those were all my books. I made five documentaries of, of research, what's known as the smiley face killings. You mentioned you're from Chicago. There's been a lot of recent these, of these types of deaths of young men disappearing later to be found in water, often previously searched. Uh, there's actually been a lot of African-Americans in Chicago over the last since kind of COVID has wind, been winding down over the last year. But the Smiley Face Killers, I have two documentaries on that subject. I have one on Occult Hollywood, and then I did documentaries on Prophet of Evil and Children of the Beast. Those can be found on Vimeo. And then I have my podcast is in the top 1% of podcasts in the world. I have over 700 different episodes on a wide variety of different topics. Oftentimes, it's me talking about my books, but also I've interviewed other people's. I was a producer for the Ed Opperman Report for three years. So I kind of learned a lot of stuff from Ed, working for Ed, which was great and kind of integrated that into my podcast. So that's kind of like a brief 
kind of overview of all my work. Yeah, there's so many things to look at, but you know, maybe I, I'd venture to start with Alistair Crowley. I've been fascinated with him, um, not not in a good way. I'm a Christian myself, but just to sort of understand what's going on and. Um, I've seen, uh, was it, They Sold Their Souls for Rock and Roll, a fantastic 10-hour documentary. I've got the, the book. I haven't even had time to read it. Uh, Alistair Crowley uh, and how he, his links to British uh, intelligence. But Secret um, Agent 666? Secret yeah, Agent yeah. 666. I've, yeah, I've got that book. haven't read it yet. But, <laughs> um, but basically, it's un- uncanny when you see his influence. I mean, his face was on the cover of Beatles' uh, album, you know, um, Black Sabbath wrote a song to him. Jay-Z wears T-shirts with his quotes. Uh, I used to be a big fan of the Canadian rock band, um, uh, Jeff Martin's Tea Party. He's like a, dis- uh, Jeff Martin's like a disciple of Crowley. Uh, Jimmy Page oh. was a dis- is a disciple of Crowley. It's just uh, the influence is massive uh, in the entertainment industry. And so maybe, you know, for, for for us listening to you for the first time, if you want to just sort of give us sort of an, int- an introduction, you know, wh- wh- what's uh, for you most important uh, r- regarding Crowley and his influence? Well, I think that he was really determined to make social and political change based upon his ideas. He was born in 1875, died in 1947. And, you know, speaking of the Beatles, when they talk about Sergeant Pepper, that Sergeant Pepper 20 years ago today, was the day when Crowley died. So I think there's a tie-in to Sergeant Pepper's as well, Pepper Black, right? So um, that's just one facet. But Crowley really spent his life, he was a rich kid, a, a only child. He grew up in a very, what he thought was a very rigid Christian family, which he rebelled against and got involved in the occult and spent most of his life. He, he always had money from his family. Like his inheritance, when I think his mom passed away, would be the equivalent of like, 20 million quid today, like 20 million pounds, like a huge amount of money, uh, which he squandered away. He didn't really have a good concept of money in any way, shape or form, but it allowed him to really dedicate his life to the occult and research into the occult and which he write, wrote about. And I think that's why he became this kind of modern uh, person who influenced people is that he left his writings. He wrote books about magic that people can access Magic and Theory and Practice is probably his most famous work. And he really advocated free, you know, free, free love, drugs, uh, myst- you know, dark mysticism, things like that, contact with entities. And so I think that that's an inspiration from entities, I might add. So I think that that, and he was an elitist. So he only hung out with or associated with other people at the top tier of kind of like the top cast of whatever society he was in, Britain, the U.S., a lot of people don't know, but he spent a lot of time in the United States. Spent most of World War One in the U.S. spying for uh, the British government. It's called the Special Intelligence Service back then. Uh, but he left. Actually, he arrived in the United States on the Lusitania, and after the Lusitania was sunk and the U.S. came in the war, he left and was able to get back into the U.K. So there's a tie in this kind of nexus of Crowley of this intel and occultism, which I think still continues today. I think a lot of the intelligence people. Uh, particularly CIA, Skull and Bones, things like that. Definitely occult influenced. Probably no Crowley through secret libraries. So that his influence is, is there's overt, obvious ones that people know. Just like you said, Led Zeppelin, Beatles, some of these other artists, even up to today. 
And but also there are some political things that are unknown. Like that's an aspect of Crowley I wrote about was his political views. He really was a kind of neo feudalist. He thought feudalism was the best type of society, had contempt for people. The slave shall serve as a theme that uh, suffuses all of his books, doctrines, Lever 77, Book of the Law, things like that. And he wrote about and I quote this in my book. Like he believed that the lower classes should be given the quiet wisdom of the cattle to be sheared, shaved and, and used for their you know, meat and, and skin whenever necessary. So he had a very contemptible outlook uh, towards people outside of his class, generally towards everybody. He was, he was a very much of an elitist. And so I think that elitism suffuses modern cultism. And he was kind of, he called himself the priest to the princes. So I think he was a believer in associating with wealthy people and the intelli intelligentsia of that age and training them kind of in his way. So I think uh, I think he left a repository, intentionally left a repository to start his own religion. And I, I quote a lot of people who knew him. One guy was Clifford Bax, who he said, who was another writer, who he said, you know, in a hundred years, the world will be uh, in the sunset of Crowleyanity. So he compared his religion in the antithesis to Christianity. And um, that was Thelema, which he called. And there's still Thelemic people all over the place. Some are known, some are unknown. But uh, his influence is still great. And I think his, his ideas really did influence uh, what happened in 2001-9-11. You can see all of his internal uh, numerology is integrated into that event, into the architecture. And, you know, some of it's just from the Western esoteric tradition from which Crowley drew. But obviously some of his are some of the number numerology is specific to him. 93, 77, 175. So that's yeah, you, that Crowley definitely. Yeah, yeah sorry. I just mentioned you, you mentioned his neo-feudal outlook, and that very much sort of gels with uh, what elites are trying to do globally today with this neo-techno-feudal great reset that they're trying to make plebes and, and cattle um, of us all. And we're going to have to run to our first break, but maybe on the other side, talk about 9-11, because my previous guest, we were talking about 9-11 as well so it's a very fitting okay. uh, again you can you can check out the website william ramsey uh, investigates.com and and find uh, the podcasts uh, documentaries uh, and and writings there we'll be right back here on tnt radio we're back with william ramsey attorney author researcher you can find his website at william ramsey investigates.com he's got documentaries which you can uh, find on vimeo uh, books and and fascinating writings and we've been talking about Alistair Crowley and maybe just to jump over to 9-11 and get your take on 9-11 uh, there are there are different takes there's of course the official narrative there's the narrative that's it, it's um you know was an inside uh job and you know the, the beyond that different uh takes I've interviewed the publisher of Trine Day uh, the, the editorial, the publishing, Chris uh, Milligan, and one of his authors, I haven't read the book, but there's a, he wrote a book on how 9-11 was sort of an occult ritual, which seems to be sort of what you're getting at, and, and what sort of your... I wrote, I, wrote, well, I wrote my book in 2010. They wrote their book in 2012, just to let you know. Okay, so, okay, yeah. <laughs> That's a, that, I can prove that, too, to you. That should tell you something. They also have Peter yeah. Lavenda, who, who wrote the book, which is on Amazon, and we can go into Lavenda's background after we talk about 9-11. Yeah, sure. Tell us about uh, you know your take on it. 
9-11 was an inside job. I believe it was an intentional act. I believe that the perpetrators integrated Crowley's numerology ideas and made it kind of a magical master working to facilitate things just like Crowley said in his kind of major magical, his dictum of magic is to transform the world according to the will. So uh, that's what I think that 9-11 was. And I think that it unraveled when I saw the numerology tie in with Crowley. I actually worked my way back from 9-11 to Crowley, not the other way around, because I saw these numbers, realized they were a cult, and that said, where, where do they treat that? go back to? And that's Crowley. So that's why I wrote Prophet of Evil, Crowley's Evil. I really tried to go back and look at all the core documents and write about Crowley there. So um, their book has some very interesting pictures and things like that. They're very similar to mine when I published in 2010. Go figure. I wonder how that happened. Um, so, but yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, we can go in through the numerology and things like that. What 93 represents 77, 175. 93 was kind of cruelly is one of his uh, primary numbers in the gematria because what it was, he would take the English meaning of words, come to their numerical about amount. And two of his primary words in his religion of Thelema are agape, love, and will, which is Thelema, and those equal to 93. So that's a very, you'll see Crowleyites, Thelemites talk about 93 and use 93 in kind of uh, signing off on their documents and things like that. So you'll see that in, through the research, and I, I show that in Children of the Beast as well. Crowley would sign his documents 93, 93, 93. So I think that's why these numbers were included in these planes. So it was all set up. And then 77 is, is Crowley's kind of number. Libra 77, 77 names of Satan, also, which I include in uh, Prophet of Evil. And it's also half of kind of the equation of the beast and Babylon. Crowley didn't spell Babylon like we do in the Bible, B-A-B-Y-L-O-N. It's B-A-B-A-L-O-N. He spelled it that way for gematria reasons. And you'll see that kind of on his uh, seal of Babylon. You'll see that 77. And 175 references. Kind of a, a known way to talk about Satan, which is to adore Satan. So 175 was kind of Crowley's ritual of adoration. And I think that's why that number was there, too. So and even, even if you look at the World Trade Center, it's a giant 11. It's a giant pathway. It's two pillars, super Masonic, occultic, with 110 stories. So that's an 11. I mean, and they stood out against the, the background of New York. So I think the whole event was really a magical event to start off the third millennia since Christ. Yeah, maybe to look at that bigger picture on your website, you have a short blog obviously people would want to get the, the book to look at the, uh, the more of the details but you write and uh you know a number of these points i i have believed for a long time this one sort of the way you put it is interesting that the 9-11 attacks led to an imperial presidency in the in the u.s obviously the the you know the wars great pretext for wars but the renunciation of individual and human rights in the U.S. and Europe, uh, the use of torture in the revocation of habeas corpus, uh, and an in, in innovative technocratic cradle-to-grave surveillance state in many Western uh, countries, and uh, the transformation of the character of political institutions in the U.S. and throughout the world towards globalization. And looking back in hindsight to where we are now with COVID-1984, as I call it, and this push towards 
biosecurity, technocracy, uh, social credit system, some call it the algorithm ghetto, it really feels like that what happened 20 years ago was like phase one. And what we just went through is phase two. Uh, and it's building towards, my view, is an, an end game, which is world government, global governance, global government, however you want to call it. And sort of, what you know, what, what's your take there? I totally agree with you. There's an agenda. They're pushing the agenda forward. And I think that 9-11 was part of it. And they really did did all kinds of crazy stuff. I mean, destroyed nations, Iraq, Afghanistan. Really, the United States changed uh, radically, I think, with the Patriot Act and uh, the creation of all these fusion centers where they can monitor you, what you're doing online, all monitored, all kept in a dossier. So I think that it's not something people, the average person signed up for, and they have not signed up for the whole shot jab uh, force. A mandate is actually a dictate. So this tyrannical dictatorship of the technocracy on people whose consequences of we really haven't seen the full measure of the consequences of these shots. And uh, there are, I think they're actually poisoning a lot of the food with graphene oxide. It's not just the shots. So all your food is tainted with and you're going to be given a very healthy serving of cockroach and other bug proteins very soon. They're trying to integrate those in. Uh, so you're getting it from all sides. I included it all in my book. It's very different than the book from Trying Day, by the way, because they left out a lot of that stuff. They said there was going to be a nuclear bomb possibly in Arizona, if I remember correctly. So their end book of their book was, to me, in my opinion, embarrassing. Uh, I'd be embarrassed. Yeah, I'm embarrassed for them. So there, I have a real problem with that book. So my book goes into the use of shots. And it would have been a warning if people uh, had read my book. I think it would have been a warning instead of, yeah, it's really a shame. So I was a small publisher back then, independent publisher, and that was my first book. So I do have, a, you know, one thing I do have a lot of sympathy for comedians or people in the entertainment industry when people lift their material. I, I understand how that works. So anyway, mm -hmm. I suggest people yeah, well, read, my, read my book because it was prescient about this whole COVID event. Yeah, and we're going to have to take a quick break, and I want to come back and talk about that. So a quick news update. We will be right back. Right. So I wanted to come back and, and get your view on COVID-1984. That's one of the, the things I focus on this biosecurity state, because I think it's one of the biggest threats right now to the planet. I mean, they lock down all countries of the world, something unprecedented in human uh, history. I did an interview like a year ago with the famed Swiss investor, Mark Faber, who's out in Thailand, and he was he reads a lot and he says, yeah, like this has never before happened in the history of humankind, what we just experienced the last two years. And I don't think we're, uh, you know, we're, uh, how would you say, we're still in the thick of it. And uh, you were talking about human sacrifice, well, part of the Crowley stuff, but culling, uh, depopulation. And it's clear, I mean, this is no longer, they're telling us out in the open, you know, I just we can find the video on, on mainstream television. Stanley Johnson, the father of former British prime minister, was saying openly that we need to depopulate. Boris Johnson has been caught on video saying the same. So many Prince um, Philip, Bill Gates said it at a TED talk. And so, uh, what sort of your take on? And, and we know for the for uh, 
uh, the last hundred years, these especially British elites were uh, Malthusian and uh, eugenicists. So they want to lower the population. And so what's sort of your take on uh, their ideology, how they want to go about it, how they have been going about it, and, you know, how COVID fits in? Well, I think that people are really kind of woken up to the COVID consequences of these shots. They're not really vaccines. I wouldn't call them a vaccine. They're not safe. They're not effective. They've already admitted it within the last week on the CDC that their effectiveness is transient. So they, they were hoping to keep people in a state of terror and just give them shot after shot after shot until probably they died. Um, they're very dangerous and can give people myocarditis or even like very small effects. So uh, you don't even want to take them. Uh, you want to get ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine, which they argued about for from the very beginning, which they intentionally shut up. So they are involved in negligent, in my opinion, an attorney negligent homicide. I'm surprised the Department of Justice has not ramped up a massive uh, investigation into this, considering all the harm and damage, which is in probably in the millions of people who've been hurt now. So it's a disgusting event, but that's the idea. The Nazis had the same idea, the far right. We're culling the population for the benefit. We've got a objective we're trying to get through, and these people are standing in the way. It's also a Barbara Marx Hubbard uh, precept. And what really should scare people is that this is what people have now been looking into. But what about the other vaccines that have been put out over the last 20 or 30 years? Have these guys been studying these vaccines? What are the effects? Or is there a, a government agency or a corporation who's collecting internally the effects of the vaccines that are not disclosed to the public? How much do they know? These are very important questions. Imagine the power of a corporation that comes out of China and knows which lots and which batches go to which country, at which times, in which place. It's incredible. It's like a, a Bond spy thriller. You literally could send the more potent batches to countries you don't like, non potent batches to countries you like, people you like at certain times of days. People have proven that there's an experiment within the experiment of these. Some of these batches are like hyper deadly. Some are uh, placebos. Something very, very profound is happening. And, and I think it's a World War II event, obviously for me, but it's also what has gone on in the past. Imagine the power. Imagine the power of these vaccines for the manufacturers knowingly dropping vaccines where the kid becomes autistic uh, malformed something, right? What's the what's the current uh, shot schedule for the average U.S. kid? Like sixty different shots. Seventy-two doses. Seventy-two, 72. doses. Okay, yeah, 72. crazy. <laughs> Interesting number. Seventy-two. Uh, what is it? The seventy-two demons in the Goetia. So uh, they, yeah, it's very profound that the p people who ceded that much power and trust to filth pigs like, course, uh, like. Uh, Walensky and Burks and uh, Tony Fauci. I mean, these are the worst of the worst. You don't know what they're doing. I wouldn't trust any well, vaccine. I wouldn't trust a flu vaccine. I wouldn't trust any shot. I would honestly, to be honest mm -hmm. with you, Roy, I would go to a lady on the street corner who had all her belongings in a you know grocery cart and trust her more than I would trust anybody from these CDC or from Pfizer. I, I would agree with you. And even before COVID, I lost, I had done some deep dives and I just lost research completely. I, I lost faith completely in vaccines. And just to me, when you think about it, it just seems unnatural, this need 
to inject a, a living being, you know, whether it's an animal or a human, just constant injections of stuff. And you know, the, these companies, they've been proven in a court of law to be uh, murderers, serial killers. How many times have they been in court cases that they've had to pay fines because they knowingly, they were knowingly continuously selling drugs that were yeah, different standards, right? killing people. And it's like, but people today are still in this Stockholm syndrome. They don't want to admit that they were duped by this, you know, all their lives by this fundamental, um, you know, worldview ideology. And they just say, oh, anti-vaxxer, crazy, you know, conspiracy theorists. But Come, how is it? Nor how have humans existed for thousands and thousands and thousands of years without these injections? Please tell me. You know, and we got uh, we got to hear without them. So, great question. We used to like we when somebody got the uh, chicken pox as a kid, you would go over to their house and get chicken pox, and just yeah, handle exactly. it like that's just the way it was. You get exposed. You stayed healthy. So the whole the, these shots, I wouldn't call a lot of these shots vaccines. And you don't know. I've, honestly, I would probably take a shot. If I honestly knew it was saline and a broken up virus, I would, if I knew it, that's all that was in it, but that's not what's all in these things. Mm -hmm. You don't even know the ungodly things that are in this most recent uh, vax or shot. But I mean, back in the day, if I'm at the Marisol, this is aluminum, goes right into your brain. I mean, it's off the charts. It's a witch's brew. You're like being, yeah. you, these, are, these are like witches and demons. And it goes into these guys, they all make these weird Harari. And Schwab, I've shown Schwab making the same hand gesture as Crowley. Like you can see that on my uh, YouTube channel. And Harari's making the finger to the head, which and he's uh, homosexual too, like Crowley. But he's making that. Well, I, I have the secret knowledge. And this is a guy saying we don't need any of you. Like he's that's their view. You're dispens You're disposable. You're a useless eater. Very amazing. Like it's also strange to see it coming from a Jewish guy who, were the were holocausted by people with that same view like do you understand what happened like 60 70 years ago like it was a disaster with these crappy ideas and now people are are the elites and people like that are are talking about them banding about have those ideas it's very bad it's terrible well, how do how do you view this whole great reset thing because it's like really the first time in my life that i mean we've been following this stuff you know JFK assassination and 9-11 but this is really it's really startling it's it's in some ways frightening I was living in Kazakhstan at the time 2020 uh, I live in Mexico otherwise I'm, I'm here in Croatia now but um, like you couldn't go in some places in parts of the world you couldn't buy food you that you you lost your job your your ability to make money some people couldn't their travel was restricted like in Philippines you know, you couldn't be caught out on the street unvaccinated. They'd fine you, throw you in jail. Um, just insane. This is like a global prison planet. And it's it's frightening. And it's not finished yet. Like here in Croatia, they told me a few just a few months ago, you could not enter into a government office without being vaccinated. So, you know, you, you have to go every, you know, once in a while, you have to renew your passport, your identification card, which is used for everything. You can't, you couldn't do that. And it's just like, that restricts the basic function of life. And so how, how are you sort of viewing this great reset, how it's going and, and you, you, you think it's succeeding or it's going to fail and, you know, other as long as that. people are going to, as long as people are realizing that the propaganda that's been forced down there into their brain is fake and lies, it won't succeed. 
It's only through the TV these guys have like manipulated the news channels. They, pay, I mean, essentially, advertising is also kind of a payoff. If you advertise, that means this group you're advertising with is not going to contradict your message because you're giving them money. So it's a form of manipulation. It's not just a tit-for-tat exchange. So I think if people get away from that, I found it interesting that I think it was McCullough was on Rogan and had like the largest views in, in Rogan's history, like seven or eight or ten, just huge millions and millions of people. They're hungry for the alternate view uh, than what Fauci and Pfizer was giving out. So I think as long as people can get information from the alternate media, uh, this whole thing will go bad. What they don't know is how sinister the World Economic Forum is. They've infiltrated many governments, the U.S. government, Canadian government, global governments, and uh, a lot of those people haven't been exposed. And both sides of the aisle, too. If you think that it's like a conservative movement, it's not. They've got all the full pyramid covered. So I think that until these uh, World Economic Forum minions, they're literal minions or goons, until they're kicked out of the political parties they're in, in any country, uh, we're not safe. Are, are you optimistic that they uh, that there will be pushback? I guess that say, you know, we're on the cusp of a worldwide revolution, that they're going to be kicked out, and others that say, well, uh, they are wield, wielding considerable strength. How do, how do you feel? I don't know. I mean, I, I think that you're almost kind of in a low-level conflict right now, like a, some something that's never happened in world events where you see this kind of top-down manipulation through governments and whether that pushback happens or not. I don't know. I saw a statistic that every World Economic Forum participant won all their elections globally, like everywhere, New Zealand, Australia, Canada, U.S. Like they have a, like a batting record that's off the charts. Like it's like... 95% or something, which should be telling you something, which is like you see massive, massive vote fraud in the United States. We don't even know who our real leaders are because if they didn't get in through proper voting techniques, they're illegitimate. So as long as if somebody's manipulating those things, you know, and if they have the will to do it, if they have that reset and they really want it uh, and they don't, they don't care about what other people think, they might pull it off as long as people are lulled by TV, sports, and infotainment. I think that's uh, that's where we'll be in trouble. But I wouldn't trust anything it's, the world African economic forum said. What do you think? No, I mean I, I feel like they are advancing again. That's clouded by my current you know view of the Bible and prophecy that it's inevitable this push towards a global dystopia and things just get worse and worse progressively until the end and. Uh, it's got to happen at some point from my view, of course, you know, I, but um, it just it seems like we're headed in, in that direction. And I was just going to use, use another example in Mexico. It's all over the world. These politicians, which I think are uh, captured uh, by these uh, interests, uh, WEF uh, in Mexico, for example, in Nuevo, the state of Nuevo Leon, there's uh, Samuel Garcia as the governor. And I recall like three years ago, maybe I liked him. He was speaking like anti-establishment, you know, pro-freedom. And then now he's getting into power and he tried to change the state constitution where if you insulted him online, you go to jail for 36 hours, you pay a fine. And this week he's he's spouting all of the climate talking points to the T um, very uh, passionately. So he's speaking like, um, you know, Klaus Schwab 
all the you know check just check off the list and it's like they're just one with the program and and then they're just being captured left and right all of these politicians whichever country i mean you you name it uh, our our mayor here uh, the mayor of the capital zagreb here in croatia he was backed by soros young guy just won like a year or two ago it's it's open you know he was just put in by soros so it's it's just nuts anyways we're we're going to have to take our second uh break the website where you can find uh william ramsey's books documentaries writings uh, podcasts is william ramsey investigates.com we'll be right back on tnt radio we're back on our final stretch with william ramsey attorney author researcher you can find his fascinating books and documentaries at william ramsey investigates.com and just to go back to the well you've got a book i'm not sure if uh, there's not a description um of the content but it's called global death cult slaughter uh the order of nine angles atamoffin and the slaughter of the innocents i'm not sure if that's what uh, references the the population uh uh agenda but um just your further thoughts on the well uh, the calling and the, and the vaccines we saw the georgia guidestones were <laughs> demolished just uh, recently your you know your thoughts on that and then how far do you think they're willing to go in this eugenicist program because you know the guidestone said 500 million uh, in, in one way i think it'd be tough to get down to 500 uh, million but you, you, your further thoughts on this malthusian uh, project i don't know the, the global death cult really related to this one group called the ona but their doctrines are uh, overlap with a lot of these elites who believe in uh killing the population they use that word coal this group kind of you select your sacrificial victim they call it an offer and then you kill them, and you go through this whole thing. You're supposed to be advancing uh, society by getting rid of this person by the characteristics of their personality. So it's probably not much different than some of these elites who want to get rid of, uh, you know, vast am- amounts of uh, humanity. So uh, I think it overlaps a little bit, but I do think that the the Georgia Guidestones, which were a giant monolith. I show the monoliths at the end of my documentary, Prophet of Evil, tied into 9-11, 2001, A Space Odyssey, all that stuff. But I think that somebody fought back. So I think somebody doesn't want this to happen. And I think that that's kind of interesting because the elite agenda often doesn't get uh, overtly contradicted by people's actions. I think that most people are passively just being led from one pen to the other, like cattle. So it's interesting to see somebody take action and destroy that uh, evil, evil, you know, cult, uh, Stonehenge. But I don't know. I mean, if they if people said they do it, like people thought Hitler was lying, you know. Oh, we're going to go east. We're going to get rid of the intervention. We're going to get rid of all these people. Like, like he was breathing fire about putting people into concentration camps. And then that happened. So... These people say that's what they want to do. I would take them at their word. But just on that point of the psychology and, and people today resisting, I mean, this is another reason I'm pessimistic because I st- I was a history teacher professor, so I studied history. And my, my, my Croatian grandfather for a brief time was a Nazi uh, prisoner. He survived, but... Um, you know, I, I read that book. They thought they were free by Milton Meyer, who interviews average Germans 
who explained how they went along with the to- with the totalitarianism and you know they were teachers and bakers and they just went with the group consensus they, they either they didn't take take the initiative to understand what was going on or they just turned a blind eye or they were just you know the 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 pressure they feared more not going along with the group than they feared uh, I, I don't know standing up and and i feel like we're seeing the same thing today and not many people are standing up and we we could very well as you said we could, in a year or two you know they could be we, we see in new zealand and, and uh, Canada, quarantine camps, concentration camps are being right. built out in China, in Australia, in, in Canada. We've got the FEMA camps in the in, in U.S. Um, and so that's very possible uh, today. And so I, that, I'm, that's why I'm, I'm not so optimistic because I feel people, they're not getting it. They, they have cognitive dissonance. They have Stockholm syndrome. They can't, they, I don't feel like they have generally the capacity to face the the evil you know the the sinister nature of what we're dealing with that it's it's really difficult to face this i, I don't know how, how do you explain <laughs> that well i mean hypno program it's just like mask what is it what does the guy say uh desmet mass transformation right. or whatever math so i think that something's going on the tv is very powerful i don't know why anybody watches television for news at all but i think that you they they are the consensus builders of today. So the Nazis had the consensus builders through Goebbels, the consensus build the evil. I don't think anything good comes from any, any news show on TV. I don't care what political stripe it is. So I think, but it's powerful because people, even the alternate media spends time contradicting things that are said in the corporate media or the TV media that are overt lies. They're not even worth even dealing with. So I think that if people can break away from that kind of conditioning 1984 style conditioning they can just start thinking freely it's literally cognitive freedom and i think that uh very powerful social engineering and social controls are at work in the u.s society that aren't realized by people they actually think this is normal like almost all of those nighttime comedy shows are very very clever mind control uh shows you don't think it but they are actually they're actually conditioning all their listeners, all those guys, all those names. I won't even mention them, but they're they're conditioning them through laughter. They're, go watch how similar the timing is, the opening sequences are, what they're telling you. They're they're very skilled, much better than you would think. Like your people would think, okay, I can spot obvious social control stuff, but if you're watching those late night TV hosts, watch how similar they are. They're very good, and so th- those are the kind of scary elements of. Uh, creating this kind of fear, dread, helplessness. And you have to get away from that. And that was actually one of the common, when I was studying a lot of the early CIA MK Ultra doctors, that was kind of the common thing is how to create dread, fear, and helplessness in people. That's what they would try to do with these conditioning things where they put you in uh, sleep deprivation, I mean, sensory deprivation and isolation is to create that so that they could give you the way out. And so... People who aren't t- watching TV news, man, I feel sorry for. I really, truly feel sorry for you. I really do. Yeah, I think those are great points. You're not, I, you're not free if you're watching TV news. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've made a point not even to. I don't have a television in my home. I don't want it. And, um, you know, growing up, you, it was less worse maybe back twenty years ago. This stuff you're talking about, but now it's just so bad. 
you know, Stephen Colbert yeah. uh, and all these people pushing all of the official narratives yeah. and propaganda. And um, even the alt media, as you said, they will they spend they, they waste so much time on trivial issues. And I can I, I skim through, you know, the, the, the few alt media that I consume. Um, there are more productive things to be uh, doing and, and you know, thoughts perhaps on. You know what do we do? How do we resist? How do we fight uh, tyranny? I know on your website, as, as I mentioned at the start of the interview, that you you write these books, you produce these documentaries. That's sort of one way uh, to fight back. That's you know that's why I have my podcast. I do TNT radio. Uh, I speak out. Uh, and so, what what thoughts do you have on sort of pushing back against this tide of evil? It's almost like not even actively resisting, but just rejecting the narratives and the agenda and doing your own thing and don't fall for it. So the climate change is probably one of the biggest psyops ever perpetrated on human history, human beings in human history. So you don't, you know, I wouldn't even get caught up in all that stuff. The whole push for green energy, electric cars are probably more damaging to the environment than a, uh, you know, engine, it's uh, so much of this stuff is just nonsense. So I think the cognitive liberty is the really foundation of human liberty and the ability to kind of think clearly. So, and a lot of this mis and disinformation really is pushed by the corporate media, television media. So be careful and stay away from that. that's really the beginning. Find somebody who you like, who's like, I, I'm a fan of a variety of different shows where I get educated. I don't get entertained, but I actually get edified. So find those edifying sources and have at it and it, you'll edify yourself and you'll be, make better decisions than following evil people like Anthony Fauci or Walensky or some of these other people. And I mean, if you think like Trump is not part of the problem, you're sadly mistaken. Trump is just as responsible for this whole stuff than Biden, who's really not making any decisions anyway. So I really believe in cognitive liberty and thinking for yourself. Yeah, I'm, I'm moving more towards this um, lately, uh, actually, just sort of tuning out and just, you know, tending a garden or or just living life analog, unplugged, uh, outside of this mental, let's say, matrix. And, 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 you know, just imagine you go to like some rural area, it's like none of this stuff <laughs> exists Matter. in a way, yeah. you know, and you can just have, you know, eat, have a nice coffee, go in the forest, go hiking and whatever maybe at some point you know they'll send in the drones or you're going to brush up against it but um for now you can still sort of live that analog world i'm just curious what if you want to share you know one or two just examples of what what are some shows that you think are worth uh, watching i i like uh, the corbett reports always been a fan of mine mike rivero what really happened i listen to all the time propaganda reports um a wide variety. I like microaggressions. I've been listening to that show, where you're actually being educated. You know, so that's I'm that's funny because too, so, uh, I've I've interviewed all of those folks. I've had James on my Geopolitics okay. Empire podcast. I've interviewed Mike on nice. TNT here. Monica Perez will be back on TNT soon, and Charlie Robinson's mm -hmm. been twice with me here on TNT. So all right, that's I good. <laughs> I interviewed her in Binkley, so that was like two years ago. But yeah, I think they're great. I didn't like I learned stuff like I didn't know. I didn't know a lot of the earlier stuff, but I've been listening to Mike Rivero for a quarter century. I actually used to listen to him back when I was in DC in the heart belt literal belly of the beast in the center of Mordor um, in like nineteen ninety five six because he was doing a lot of research into the 
death of Vince Foster. So I was really, uh, really devouring what he was putting out back then. I think he paid a lot of, he endured a lot of persecution for his positions too. All right. Fa- great uh, chat. The website is William Ramsey investigates.com. Is that the best place to find you? Anything else? Absolutely. Yeah. You can check that out. I have over 700 hours interviews with people like Monica Perez, Binkley on William Ramsey investigates podcast. So you can go back through. I try to be the opposite of infotainment or entertainment, but edification. People can learn a variety of different subjects, occult, my books, history, cults, all kinds of stuff. All right, we're out of time. Thank you so much, uh, William. That's it for me today. Keep uh, tuning in here on TNT.